This is the Cascadia Podcasters Podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Rigdon. On this episode, we have Jeremy Mills of the Jeremy Mills Podcast. How are you today? I am doing great. It's a beautiful day outside, but as we talk about being a podcaster, we're stuck inside doing what we love, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll be able to make it outside at some point today. I was going to say, <laughs> get, find a reason to get outside. So, could you tell me just a little bit about your podcast? So, I do a podcast. It's a mainly a Seattle basketball podcast. I linked up with Seattle basketball legend Jamal Crawford last summer, and we just collaborated, got to know each other a little bit, and I hosted the crossover podcast. Um, it's still on my channel, the Jeremy Mills podcast. If you're interested, it's last summer, so scroll back. But it was, um, for the people who don't know of the crossover, it is a Seattle basketball league during the summertime who Jamal Crawford, NBA player who is from Seattle, still lives in the Seattle area during the summertime uh, in Lower Queen Anne, puts on a basketball event that brings local NBA players back, like you know your DeJounte Murray, who went to Rainier Beach High School, uh, who's playing for the San Antonio Spurs now, brings players like that back. Zach Levine from Bothell, um, two players who necessarily aren't necessarily from here, um, your NBA legends, but he's kind of filling that no Sonics void. So I was lucky enough to link up with him and do a podcast interviewing all of those guys um, from DeJounte Murray to Jamal Crawford to Zach Levine to Kenny Main uh, from Sports Center fame who lives part time here and then part time in Bristol. So uh, that is probably what people would know me for most is interviewing um, Seattle basketball people. But I also do, you know, like the last podcast I did was with my wife. So it varies. I like to be varied. So what motivated you to start a basketball show that's focused on like the local area? It was just something that something that I loved. Um, I was a fan of the crossover for a good four or five years before, uh, you know, reaching out to Jamal and asking him about it. You know, if I could be the official <laughs> podcaster kind of thing. And so it was just natural, uh, something you pour your time into anyway. So it, with podcasting, uh, for the podcasters who are listening or the people who listen to podcasts, you have to talk about something that you love and it's natural or it's not going to feel genuine and real. And so um, my background, I was a broadcaster in high school. I played sports a lot, got injured, couldn't play those sports anymore. So I went down to the local city paper, asked if I could write for them. They, for some reason, accepted. That led to a radio job. Um, or a radio interview, excuse me, which led to a morning radio show, which led to doing play-by-play, which, you know, uh, it was awesome. I loved being around the game. So that kind of put me in position to be able to, you know, back up my request to want to be the official podcaster of the crossover. Um, And so I guess it was just natural. And how long have you been doing the show? Uh, Last year was the first year. I started in I think early July, but it has, you know, the crossover only goes from July to kind of into August. So I've extended a lot of the, you know, it's pretty much still the crossover because I'm interviewing all these people. I'm talking to basketball trainers from the area, basketball uh, players who play overseas that are back home, things like that. So um, the, the crossover podcast will return again this 
uh, early July once the event starts up again. But my my podcast, it has been going for about two years now, uh, just in general. I did different kind of shows before uh, doing the Seattle basketball part, but and are those two shows like in one feed or are they two separate shows? Yeah, no, it is all together. That's what I like about, I don't know. So what I liked about a lot of the podcasts I listened to, I guess, was that it wasn't just one subject. Yes, it's going to be a lot of Seattle basketball, but you'll also get, like I said, something with me and my wife or something with a friend talking about, you know, his life or pop culture or, you know, something different. So I think to be a hundred percent honest, I would get bored just doing one thing all the time. So, uh, I still think well, I'm relatively new to the game and I don't want to limit myself to just one thing. And I like to explore and try different things. So. Well, that's very interesting because, you know, you're dealing with a topic on one hand, that's very seasonal in nature, but you're still able to you're doing it all year round. Yeah. Which I never would have expected. So that event, like I was saying, just happens for two months, maybe, but and there's no NBA team. So you would wonder, how are you doing a Seattle basketball podcast? I don't, I'm not, you know, every day covering the UW Huskies or anything like that. I'm more out here to show the Seattle basketball culture that you will hear about from time to time. You'll get the Seattle Times article, but I'm here to kind of highlight the people who keep that basketball culture thriving. And that meaning, you know, taking care of these young kids coming up, putting out great prospects from the Seattle area. Um, just being good people to, you know, people that don't necessarily have to be good to good people too, that they're not gaining anything from um, helping these kids out or um, things like that. So like I was mentioning the trainers, um, Mark Wilkerson, Arvin Mosley, Chris Hippa, those are guys who uh, just take care of the area. Um, and which Jamal Crawford, I think, sets the tone for that. Um, the way he gives back, like I kind of talked about him giving back to me, but uh, he takes care of Rainier Beach High School. Um, if you go to that gym, that school isn't the nicest school in the area, but that gym is very nice. And it's not flashy by any means, but it's just very nice. Um, so he gives back in that way, but he also gives back with his time. I think that's the most important thing. It's definitely a different way of doing a sports podcast. Most of them, I think, are, you know, very topical, like, you know, it's today's news about, you know, scores and stuff. But your show from listening to it, it's much more, I suppose the term would be like evergreen content. Yeah. And like I said, I listen to podcasts a lot and I, I enjoy them. But part of them drives me nuts because so much of sports podcasting now is having takes, saying something kind of ridiculous, you know, overreacting to the thing that just happened. Um, to be honest, being disrespectful, I think, to a lot of the athletes. And I don't know, that's just not me. That's not the way I do things. So I like to talk to people and really just get into it and just learn about and help other people learn about the area, what's going on, what these people are really like, you know, whether it's a basketball trainer, whether it's a basketball player, or whether it's a coach or referee, um, you can take them at face value, but just hear hear what it's like, where they came from, their experiences. Because um, you'll see these guys in Instagram posts and social media, and it's just different to hear them. And that's why I like podcasting so much. And had you done any podcasting before this one? No, to be honest, no. The, the radio was the only thing I had done. And when I had graduated high school in 2011, 
I moved from, it was a small town in Western Kansas to Seattle and I was, I didn't go to school and I wasn't a hundred percent sure where radio and putting my eggs into that, you know, career basket would be going. So I didn't do anything until 2017. And then I know podcasting was around a long time before then, but then it was just, it made sense. And I just started recording off of a cell phone that I had and then eventually moved to nicer mics and nicer mics and nicer mics. But so what have been some of the biggest challenges of doing this show? Time, uh, you know, until you're a professional, the research that I think goes into doing a good um, interview like I like to do with these people, because um, I, I want to have a conversation, but I also want to know pretty much everything there is to know so I can have just a nat- natural conversation. Um, so the time that goes into doing that research is the biggest obstacle. Um, promotion is another thing that when I thought about, you know, what is a good podcaster, it's like this time you spend interviewing and the way you can connect with your guest and um, genuine, the genuineness of it. But the promotion, I think, unfortunately, is a major key. And it's something I don't really like to do. I don't feel good about even if I like the content I'm putting out promotion is my least favorite thing to do so either time or promotion would would be the biggest obstacle it's very funny doing these interviews you just hear the same things over and over again you know like the promotion just being such a huge challenge and also sometimes demoralizing yeah it is it's for I don't know I would much rather and maybe it'll come one day maybe it won't have other people promote it for me you know have having other people say things nice things about your podcast is much nicer than you saying those things. And, um, but I also think there's good ways to do it. And I've learned a lot, um, cutting video clips just cause what do you see people do all the time? Scroll through their phone. So just to get your content in front of them, not in, you know, a 40 minute interview or whatever, you got to get something tight. That's interesting from the second you start watching it to get them interested, to be able to even click on the podcast. When I was first putting my podcast out, I would just put a link out with the title. And I was like, huh, you know, why isn't this getting any engagement? You know, things like that. But once you start thinking about it more and more, what, what would you, what would get you interested in to something that you don't necessarily know of or, you know, or interested in already. And where do you host your uh, podcast uh, episodes, the files? So mine right now is on SoundCloud which I pay the the $15 SoundCloud premium, whatever, so you can have as many tracks as you want. So every podcast I've done from episode one to 111 is on there. Um, yeah, which I like it. Now I can be on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, but it is uh, hosted by SoundCloud. Okay, so but you're pretty satisfied by them. Yeah, I haven't had any issues. I don't know how... Uh, other I've heard just from, you know, kind of looking around on the internet and seeing what other platforms advertise. I don't know if I'm missing anything really, but I haven't had any issues at all. And you spoke about microphones. What kind of microphones do you use right now? It is the, I think it's the S-H-U-R-E 5.8 Dynamic, I believe. And as as I say dynamic, it's probably whatever the other one is. Uh, but they were about a hundred bucks each off of Amazon. And then I use the zoom H four N pro recorder. So I just have a two track. I'll plug microphones in. Uh, if I have more than one guest, they'll pass the microphone back and forth. 
but those have been amazing. I couldn't be happier with those microphones. And when you're doing those recordings, um, are you like out in the field or do you have people, do you have like a studio set up? Uh, I have a, a studio-ish set up in my house, but I will also, if I'm interviewing people who don't have the time or it's just, you know, either I'm going to meet them there or we're not going to do the podcast type of deal, I'll meet them anywhere. I really enjoy doing podcasting yeah. outside. We talked about sunny days and things like that. So one of my favorites is to be at a park. Uh, and I think these mics pick up enough of the background noise to make it interesting. So you can hear birds and stuff like that. But um, the just dead background noise isn't there. Do you have any tips for doing those like interviews on location? Uh, if you do have a lot of noise that you're trying to kind of eliminate, if there is a little bit too much noise, obviously, when I'm doing the interviews, I'm trying to be in the moment. I'm just trying to connect with that person. So I'm to be honest, I'm not thinking about what noise is in the background, if it's people talking, if it's too much. So that's when the editing phase can come in. Um, I have no professional training on this really, but I use Audacity and I will use the noise reduction just slightly. Um, you can find you know, tutorials. People probably already know how to do this, but you just find that little bit of background noise isolated by itself. You kind of tell it, yeah, hey, this is the noise. And then you go throughout your podcast and it will reduce the noise, but keep what you want on there. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Audacity is a great free program. It's available like for every OS. I think it's, it's a great thing. Is that what you use? Uh, actually I moved over to the Adobe stuff because I needed the, uh, the video editing and the graphic stuff. So I just kind of live there now. All right. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. I mean, it's, you have, I forget how much, but you got to pay per month and the Adobe cloud things. They always try to get as much money from you as possible. <laughs> and I said, the last thing I needed is to pay another person for this podcast. No. <laughs> so when you are doing that editing, how long does that take that post-production? It all depends as I've gotten better at interviewing like these last 10, 15 episodes of it's you still listen to them. I think that's really important, but I haven't edited anything out necessarily. Um, so, but it still takes time. Um, so I'm usually probably dealing with at least an hour episode, roughly, sometimes a little less. Um, so just listening to that and taking notes on what's going on is probably the most time consuming thing. Uh, just writing down, you know, the topics, the timestamp, so you can write a good description for your podcast but then you can also if you record it on video you know go cut that video for a, a promotional clip or go cut that audio for a promotional clip and you know make your own video uh so i don't know two to three hours maybe if it's really going well and it is no editing and i don't have to kind of cut maybe a not so interesting part out or something um there's sometimes it takes a whole day especially if it's video, just the time that the video takes to transfer from here to there. It's an hour long HD, you know, video that's however many um, gigabytes, megabytes, whatever it is. So it, it takes a while, but uh, as I've gotten more experience, I know when those long uh, breaks are going to be where you're just waiting for that file to upload so you can go do other things. But um, I don't know. It varies. I've gotten a lot better, though. It used to be a long time, sadly. But you're not going in there cutting out every like, um and uh and pause. Which I used to do. I don't know if you ever did that, but 
for some reason, it really bothered me when I was really, really insecure. And probably my first episode, I would cut, yeah, not every pause, but every um. I thought about like just copying, pasting those and just having all the ums that were ever cut out of the podcast. Um, 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 um. I never did it though. That's another very common theme. Like, you know, people first start out, they're very crazy about making it sound perfect, but then they also make like this kind of this recording that sounds very robotic. Yeah. And it's when you don't think people will notice, but then when you listen to podcasts that are like that, you're like, wow, these people never mess up. But it's also, yeah, you're right, robotic and not natural. And I think a good podcast is genuine and that kind of takes it takes it out of it. So you talked about um, doing, you know, like a ton of research for these guests. How do you prepare for your interviews? Just trying to find other interviews that they've done. Uh, that's a really easy way to, you know, find a kind of just a summary of what's going on. And then you can find interesting things throughout that, uh, things that interest you as an interviewer that maybe you have experience with that you can connect with them on or things that are briefly mentioned that you want to go dive into more and find out the real story. Um, just, again, stuff I would be interested in hearing. Um, luckily, I'm usually in- interviewing people that I'm excited to talk to and I'm just amazed that they would take the time anyway. So. Um, doing the research, I, what I'll do is just find everything I can out, you know, um, write notes on it, not really go anywhere. And then just day by day, we'll move around, um, in my Google doc, shout out to Google doc. I'll move it around, um, all that research and questions that I've just kind of thrown up on paper. I'll move it around to some sort of coherent, uh, order and go from there. But it's just, Again, taking the time to do the research in one time and then go back and comb through that research, find what's interesting and then refine what's interesting and make sure the order makes sense and, you know, just refining, refining, refining. And how do you find your guests and then convince them to come on the show? It's it's a first, you know, people ask me how I got Jamal Crawford to come on my show because I was just a nobody. I'm still a nobody, but I was just you know, some guy on Twitter who reached out to him and said, can I be the official? Or I don't, I said, uh, I didn't see any uh, post for a tryout for the official podcaster of the crossover. And he said, oh, I, you know, I already assumed you would be. And then he followed me and he DM'd me and he said, you know, come to get, come up with a plan. So a lot of it does come from there. Cause if you can get somebody like that on your show, other people hear it, um, they get excited. They want to come on your show. And as the ball has gotten rolling more, that's what happens. Uh, you interview somebody, you do a good job, you put all you can into it, you make great promotional clips, you hype them up. They, their friends see it, they get excited, they follow you, they want to come on the show, and it just keeps going after that, after that. Um, I think, to be 100% honest, the way I was put in position where Jamal Crawford even maybe knew of me was I was just a nobody. So I knew, and this was way before I reached out to him, I knew not to reach out to him first. I reached out to Rashad Powell. He was uh, uh, the commissioner of the Seattle Pro-Am, which is the crossover now. Um, and, you know, not that he was 
a nobody, but he was a professional player. He had tried out for the Sonics. Uh, he had been around Seattle a long time and he wasn't, uh, I think he followed me actually was maybe the reason why I was like, all right, let me just DM this guy. And, uh, I asked him to be on the show and I talked to him and I did the best interview I could with him. And I was just genuinely interested in his story. I was like, wow, I'm talking to somebody from the Seattle pro-am. This is crazy. This is my favorite event. Um, and then I think Jamal, later told me he listened to that episode and he's like okay this is all right so you know reach out to people don't be afraid to reach out to anybody but also be smart and reach out to people who i don't want to say he was on my level because he wasn't he's still awesome uh, rashad powell and amazing but you know be smart and reach out to people who who might want to talk to you who maybe don't get as many interview requests do a great job with that and other people will notice. You have to kind of, uh, oftentimes referred to as like moving up the food chain, but what you're really doing is building trust and a reputation. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. Exactly. So musicians and athletes are kind of uh, notorious to interview. Do you have any tips for interviewing athletes? Yes. So some athletes are going to be great. Some you're going to prepare all these questions for, and then it's just going to go out the window because the conversation is better. Great example of that was Alvin Snow Jr. Uh, if you're interested in listening to one of the podcasts or watching it on YouTube, that's a great one to look up because um, you do all this interview prep and stuff. And then once you talk to them, you don't want to break eye contact essentially and look down at your notes. So you just have to go with it. You have to, each interview is going to be different. And um, what the reason you still do all these notes and you do all this research and you have more questions than you're actually going to use is because you're going to run into the athlete who, or the musician who just isn't used to being interviewed. They don't understand the back and forth of an interview and that when you ask somebody a question, you don't want a yes or no answer. You want them to elaborate and talk. And that's the interview. You want to hear the other person talk. So uh, just have a lot of questions ready. Don't feel like you have to use all of them. Um, but just try to connect with the person. It's any interview I've done, just try to connect with the person and go from there. Yeah, there's a lot of advice out there about conducting interviews, but oftentimes that advice is geared towards people that are doing interviews, people who've done a lot of interviews. Like if you're doing a inter show where you're interviewing people, this might be the very first time they've actually sat down and been recorded and you're asking them questions. You need to do things a lot differently. Right. And for those people, it might be making them comfortable because, you know, you and I have probably done podcasting enough to where it just feels natural and it just feels like talking, but for other people you can get in your own head and then you're not yourself and it's just hard. So finding a way to make them comfortable. And, you know, like I said, it's going to be different with each person, but um, it's a people business. And I think that's something you can start if you're a veteran interview, you can do if you're a veteran interviewer, if you're doing your first interview, just try to connect with the person. So you've been doing this for a little while. Do you have any advice for people that are just thinking about making a podcast or maybe their podcast is brand new? Yeah, uh, just work as hard as you can, um, even if people don't listen. Keep working as hard as you can. Make something that you would enjoy because if you don't enjoy it, I don't think people will enjoy it either. You're not going to, you know, you're probably not even going to share what you've done if you don't enjoy it. So um, work hard don't expect anything because you know 
you have to do this for a long time to maybe make it. And that's what I always tell myself <clears throat> to be where I want to be. I'm probably gonna have to do this a long time and fail a lot and put out a lot of episodes that maybe don't hit and all that stuff. But that's how you weed out a lot of people who don't really enjoy doing this. So, uh, you know, I enjoy doing this. I don't enjoy the promotion. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy sometimes the editing, just that, that process of doing it is what I enjoy. So for me, it's whether I get praise or don't get praise or get noticed or don't get noticed, that's not really important to me because I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing. So that I think will hopefully allow me to do it for a long time and one day do this full time and get paid and, you know, all that. But that's, that's the best advice I can give is just, if you genuinely love to do it, just do it, work hard, don't worry about anything else. And maybe you'll look up in five, seven, 10 years and you'll be where you want to be. And do you yourself listen to many podcasts? I do. Almost too many, to be honest. Uh, some of my favorites are, I gotta, I gotta look here. Because even though I listen to them all the time, if you ask me off the top of my head, what do I listen to? Uh, it is a lot of basketball podcasts. So I think one that avoids a lot of, uh, I don't know, low hanging fruit, I guess I will call it, is The Low Post. It's Zach Lowe. He's a really smart basketball writer. Um, if you enjoy just that part of the game, the actual game portion, that's a great show. Um, the Death Squad podcast, especially uh, Kill Tony, which is coming to Seattle, I think May 19th or something like that, because I'm going to that show. What that show is is a live podcast that's uh, two comedians, which they maybe have a guest and a band. Um, it's basically an open mic show and they talk to them, they roast them. So it is not for the faint of heart by any means. Uh, and then, you know, your, uh, your classic binge podcast, like in the dark or serial or the broken hearts podcast, it's, it varies. And how do you discover new shows? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, my wife listens to different podcasts than I listen to. So she'll kind of let me know about some of these like murder mystery ones or um, Twitter sometimes. I don't know. Like I said, when you just don't listen to a podcast and somebody posts a link, why would you be interested? But sometimes I don't know if it's maybe articles that are written on Twitter or what, but um, it's, I do listen to a lot of comedians podcasts too. So like you say, you hear somebody on another person's podcast, you want to check out what they're doing. So, you know, crossover, things like that. And yeah. And how can people find your show? Uh, the best way to just dive in, go to jeremymillspodcast.com. That has everything from links to, you know, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to go. But it also has uh, the YouTube link. I've also done... But uh, podcast where, you know, the audio didn't turn out so well. Uh, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I've done podcasts where the audio didn't turn out so well. So I had uh, it transcribed and made into like a written editorial, edited it up and everything. So check out the write-ups on Donna Halper, who is famous for introducing the band Rush to the United States. And then Khalil Shabazz. 
another Seattle basketball hooper and uh, Seattle basketball player. And uh, yeah, check it out. JeremyMillsPodcast.com. It's great. Well, thank you so much for coming to the show today. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me. And I don't know if we were recording at the time, but I'm just impressed with what you do and the way you've uh, taken a hold of, you know, the opportunity to be the host of a Cascadia podcast, kind of be the one-stop shop for people who are wanting to network and just see, meet other people and, you know, find out that other people do do podcasts in the Pacific Northwest. So shout out to you. Thank you. Yeah, really trying to connect people and, you know, make the region kind of like a podcasting hub. Yeah, you're doing a great job, man. It's uh, it's awesome. Keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. Thanks.